Hi, I'm Beth. And I'm Andrea. We are bringing you the Real Moms Real Life Podcast, your guide to self-empowerment and taking on each day as your best self. This is episode number 16. After our usual segments of In the Kitchen and Movement Makeover, we will be discussing parenting styles. If you would like to submit a question, head on over to realmomsreallife.com. Don't forget, all the resources on this podcast are meant for information purposes only and not to be confused for medical advice or treatment. Hey, Andrea. Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. I just learned that Lucky Charms are gluten-free, so... (laughs) Are they seriously? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. I did not purchase them. My husband chose them. And he, because it was like St. Patty's Day a couple weeks ago, and he was like, you know, you mentioned that people were giving their kids Lucky Charms for St. Patty's Day, and I kind of missed them, so I got them. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was like, I bet they're not gluten-free. And it says on the box, gluten-free. It's so funny. I did not know that. (laughs) Hashtag treat yourself this week. Oh, my God. Cereal is like, I feel like my total guilty pleasure. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I buy like the organic version of Cinnamon Toast Crunch. <laughs> and I'm like, well, it's organic. But I try not to eat too much because I really do notice I feel like terrible afterwards. But <laughs> Well, and I never could eat breakfast of like, like ever since I started into this real food movement and eating like a high fat, high protein breakfast feels so good. But during this pregnancy, those carbs, like I just... I need them. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's like gluten-free bagel and cream cheese at breakfast, a cereal snack in the afternoon, or sometimes I switch <laughs> them up. Um, but it's it's doing okay. It's feeling pretty good. So I will probably have to do some blood sugar regulation afterwards. Nice. But I'm just listening hey. to my body. And a couple, a little bit of that food coloring. I mean, they're really, they're, <laughs> the ingredients aren't great, but at least there's no gluten in them. There you go. There you go. Small wins. I love it. Yeah, I can never eat cereal for breakfast. I, if I have it, it's like an after-dinner snack. <laughs> yeah, I like to put it in and I add some peanut butter to it. And I use like, right now I have cashew milk or something like that. So I'm like adding, trying to add a little bit of fat and protein to it. I found this stuff. It's like cashew yogurt, but or it's like kefir, like cashew gurt or something like that. And I totally put cereal in that the other day. And I was like, I'm getting my probiotics in. <laughs> As I'm having my organic gluten-free cereal that I try to pick the low sugar ones. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, you know, it's a nice treat. Mm-hmm. Anything else on the business front? Gosh, on the business front, I am in the middle of a huge, like, I'm completely rebranding and redoing everything. So I'm not going to talk about it too much yet until I'm very clear on where I'm going. <laughs> so... But like, it's been a yeah a lot of stuff. So I feel like we're both in like similar stages of what we're how we're trying to kind of take our businesses and yeah mm-hmm. it's a lot of work to to rebrand and re kind of become who you really want to be and not just like okay well I finished school and I finished my education this is what I want to do and it's like mm-hmm. no wait this is what I really want to do absolutely like it's hard because it, it's it definitely requires getting comfortable with eliminating people that you know you can help. And that's my biggest struggle is like niching down and just being very clear and picking a target market. (sighs) But that's what you have to do. So I'm doing it. Can't help everyone. I'm proud of you. 
Thanks. <laughs> wow. And my, my target market, yours may be a little bit similar, is kind of good for our topic of parenting today. But before we get to that, let, tell us about your kitchen tip for the day. So mine is to just have the like ready-made spring mix or lettuce mix or whatever baby greens you prefer. You can get those like big clamshell things for usually like $5 at the grocery store and make a super quick salad, especially if you're running out of time. You know, you got home late. You don't have time to cook veggies. You forgot to prep. You forgot to make your giant salad that we talked about the other week. Um, I will just take the greens and I used to just throw them like in a salad bowl and then like dump olive oil and balsamic vinegar at to- on top. But then when I started or like when my husband and I would make them together, he started making them like in a big bowl and actually like taking the time to mix it together, which takes a whole nother 30 seconds, but it's amazing how much of a difference it makes. So I highly recommending recommend taking the time to like mix it well, because when the dressing's on every bite, it's much better than when it's dumped on one leaf and not on another. Um, so we usually will take like, this is our salad. We just take a bunch of greens, dump some pumpkin seeds on it or sunflower seeds, whatever we have. And that's it. Like literally that's it. And then we either do balsamic vinegar and olive oil or apple cider vinegar and olive oil and a little hot sauce. It's like one or the other. Sometimes we get fancy and chop up some peppers or beets or if we have some other veggies. But honestly, it's like we oftentimes when we're making that, it's because we don't feel like taking the time to do anything else. But we want to get our veggies in. And it's really yummy. I love that you mentioned that your husband got you on to the mixing it ahead of time because that's one of my husband's biggest pet peeves if, is if we'll bring a salad somewhere. And I'm like, well, not not everybody likes the dressing on it. And he's like, no, nobody wants to, you know, especially at a potluck, pour yeah. their own dressing on. Just redress, you know, pre-dress so the salad. Yeah. They're either going to like it or they're not. It's not a big deal. Um, so I think that that's a great suggestion and even just having like shredded carrots or other things, just having the ingredients on hand really makes all the difference. You're getting super fancy now, but yes, I agree. (laughs) Oh, you know, that's how we fly over here in in Chester County. Clearly. (laughs) All right. So for our movement makeover for the week, I am going to say check your posture. So no, it's not really a movement activity, but I think it's really important. We do so much sitting or even standing. If you have a standing desk or driving, think about how your environment is. I mean, I'm going to be honest right now, and I do not have great postures at this point. I'm sitting with one foot tucked under me, and I'm leaning forward to be at a better location for the mic. And I know that every time after we podcast, I don't feel as good, so... I'm going to start checking my posture and reset it up a little bit better so that I feel better. And it makes such a difference for those prolonged times. If you're really focusing on a project at work or you're on a phone call and, you know, the phone's like awkwardly, you know, too far away or you're driving to just driving to work. And it's if it's not exactly right, take the time to stop and fix it because the rest of your movement will just feel so much better. Absolutely. That's why I stay on during our podcast now. It does help. And I do want to say anytime someone mentions posture, have you heard the like quote? It's like your best posture is the one that changes or something along those lines or is like the next best posture. It sounds good I forget me. something like that. But it, it's, I think it sounds way better, but I, I don't know what it is off the top of my head. But basically the point is, is 
posture does not need to be this like static, like I am perfectly still in this ergonomic position. Like good posture is like a very fluid thing. So even though, you know, you're sitting with your leg underneath you, as long as then you're switching sides and sitting with your other leg underneath you or then adjusting it and, you know, reaching to the other side and, you know, if you are bent forward for a little bit, then take the time to lean back a little bit. You know, it's really, yeah, I just want to mention that it's not this like static, perfect hold. Definitely. I totally agree. And and I, before you even said it, had already switched my leg. So it really perfect. is, you know, you want to have a good starting point because if you're not, I feel like a lot of, in PT school at least, we were taught like 90, 90, 90. And it's like, you know, you're like stuck here. And it's like, okay, well, that's comfortable for about three seconds. And then I move on or I need to shift and I need to move. But a lot of times we get stuck in those postures. We're not moving out of uncomfortable postures. And we don't realize it until we've got that like big neck cramp the next day or that like headache that goes all the way up the back of your head. So I think that's a really good point that you don't have to like be rigid and like firm in it. You can just relax in it and you'll feel so much better. Absolutely. Great tip. I love that. Thanks. So we're going to move on to our topic for the week. So we've been covering a lot about mindfulness in the past couple of weeks. Two weeks ago, we talked about mindfulness in general. And then last week, we talked about mindfulness in parenthood, which is a pretty big topic. So we didn't even touch on mindfulness and having kids. So that's what we want to cover this week. I would love to start off with some personal experience because it has been a huge part of the past few weeks for my family and being mindful. We're going through, my daughter's three and a half, we're going through a lot of different changes with trying to, she just wants to be independent with just about everything. I mean, she wants to like put her own dishes in the sink and wash them and doesn't want us to tell her anything. She wants to cut her own food using the sharp knife. And these are, you know, we pick and choose what she can do. Like she can't toss the plate, glass plate that she can't reach into the sink. She has to set it next to it. But that that has been her motivation and that can be hard sometimes when it's like well I just I just want to can I just help you so that it goes a little faster or to do this and there's a certain point in our day and it's typically either she kind of knows she has to go to the bathroom but it hasn't clicked yet so she's feeling a little bit funky or she's tired and she just is dancing all around ignoring completely like her selective hearing is phenomenal like she just just doesn't hear a word that we're saying you know I can be at any tone of voice quiet soft loud whatever she just doesn't hear a thing you know and then usually I pretty much always try to start with positive reinforcement so when she's doing good things I reinforce that but there are times that our kids do things that we have to reprimand them for so that they know that there's a boundary there so we'll have various things that we'll kind of say, you know what, we, you know, we were going to read three books tonight. We, you know, if we stop doing this, we can read three books or, you know, sometimes it's, Hey, well, we already read what we're, we're not reading anymore. If you don't stop doing this, we'll play around see which one works better for that night. But sometimes it just doesn't work. So we have to get really, really firm and get her to that point where she's crying and she is screaming and crying and sobbing and she needs that release so bad and it's really hard to be like I need to make my kid cry right now but it is amazing how much better she is and how much better she feels 
And, like, whatever it was that was bothering her, like, if she had to go to the bathroom, as soon as she does that, and I kind of let her go, she just, she goes. She's like, I'll be back. I need privacy. And then it's great. So I really had to channel my mindfulness. Um, have had to channel it these past couple of weeks to say, hey, this is, this is a stage that we're in and this is okay and this tantruming this screaming this crying is something that she needs and I'm aware of what that that there is some underlying issue she's not just being bad for being bad you know and I say bad with air quotes because I don't I don't truly believe that that kids are innately you know that mean to be bad there she's just trying to see where the boundaries are what they need to be and I think sometimes she knows where they are and she just needs something to get her that trigger of crying because that's not a natural response for her so how about you Andrea no oh, that's so interesting I love that um I I'm yeah looking forward to that phase <laughs> not <laughs> But that, yeah, I know you've listened to the Brene Brown's The Mindful Parenting because you told me about that. So I listened to it or the gifts of imperfect parenting. But I feel like that boundary thing that you're talking about, she talks about that, how like I thought that was interesting in the study that she talks about how the kids who like the college kids who had the strict boundaries just like did so much better. And the kids who didn't have that, like really wished that they had that. So I think that's awesome that you are enforcing that. And I remember when we started doing the aware parenting thing with Remy, um, gosh, when he was like four months, it was the same thing where I was like, just get him to cry. Just get him to cry. (laughs) Cause he actually, every time we'd pick him up, he like would stop crying. But like, it's like, I knew he just needed to cry and then he would be a lot better afterwards. Now, I don't know, not so much, but, um, sometimes it depends kind of on the day. I think I'm starting to kind of get when he needs to cry versus when something else is just going on but for the mindfulness piece oh gosh parenting is like one giant thing of demanding mindfulness for sure I notice it the most in like the little things I think there's like right now Remy oh gosh right right now as in for the past six months anytime we try to change his diaper he is just like all over the place like he instantly flips onto his stomach instantly trying to like crawl at the window because it's like right underneath the window you know trying to grab things off shoving everything off the diaper changing stand and it's just like a battle every single time but I've kind of started I've looked at it as it's like our fun time like it's our like we go and we play games luckily he doesn't tend to pee when I have his diaper off for whatever reason I have been very blessed with that for having a baby boy but you know, it's like, I just, it's like the little silly things of like, okay, he doesn't need to be on his back for me to take off his diaper. So it's like, we usually take it off backwards and then we play a little bit. He usually like jumps up and gives me a hug. So it's like, I take the time to like give him a hug and hold him for a little bit. And then, you know, I try to put him back, you know, down on his back. And it's like, I put myself in his shoes of like, he just wants to play and explore. So I'm like, okay, how can I nourish that while getting this diaper on him at the same time? So it's like, rather than sit there and get frustrated, which happens every now and then where I'm like, oh my God, Remy, just like stay on your back, you know? And like, I can't hold him down. Like I physically cannot hold this child down. Like it doesn't work unless, you know, I would be hurting him. So I have to find a way to like entertain him. So I've realized if I put a toy in my mouth, 
then he just plays with it because he lies on his back and tries to like reach for my mouth and reach for the toy. So we just like find whichever toy is going to entertain him in that moment. And then we play. And then it's like this happy fun time versus this like, ah, like get on your back. Like, let me put this damn diaper on you and getting like angry and upset about it. Um, so I feel like in those moments, it's like, it's your decision to like turn it into what you want it to be. It's like, do you want it to be a fun time or do you want it to be a battle? And either way, it's like you're expending energy. So it may as well be towards the positive is the way I see it. And then like other little things, it's like when he nurses, he likes to grab my nose and my face and whatnot. And a lot of times I just let him, whatever. I'm like, he's playing, he's exploring. But man, this morning he has like these sharp fingernails that I have not been able to cut because he like, he used to be really good about it. But yeah, he's not letting me cut them in the past week. So he was like stabbing my nose and I was like, all right, we're done. And so I like kept, kept taking his hand away, but then he was getting upset And so again, I'm just like, okay, I can sit here and battle you or I can be like, all right, like, what do you want to do? And I'm like, he just wants to hold on to something. So it's like, I gave him my thumb instead of my nose. And then he was happy and everything was fine. You know, so it's just like taking that little pause when you start to get frustrated and being like, all right, what's really going on here in this situation and trying to accommodate it. And of course, the first thing I think of doesn't always work. You know, it's not like this magic, like, oh, you just do one thing and your baby's instantly happy because that's not how babies work. But like, Again, either way, you're probably going to, it's like you're either just going to be frustrated or you can take the time to figure out how can we make this a little more fun. So um, that's been a lot of my mindfulness lately. I think that's great. I think that we both um, have a similar kind of general background of we had um, some interest in aware parenting. Now, I didn't find out about aware parenting until... I don't know, the past year or so. And I didn't actually read one of Aletha Salter's books until maybe six months ago because it wasn't until that point that it started getting, like, tougher. My kid, again, she was one of those kids, like, I didn't have to rock her. She didn't necessarily need a pacifier. But if I was, like, holding her, she was fine. And she was pretty content on the ground, too. I mean, she was on the ground all the time. She she wasn't going to be content there, like, too bad. But no, she, you know, I would say... I don't know your kid, you know, your kids could be devils, right? You know, I I don't know this and only you know who your kids are, but only you're the one that has the ability to change what your perspective is. And I think that was the biggest thing for the aware parenting style that was really big for me because a lot of it, I was, I was supportive of a lot of it and it, it really helped me reframe how I felt about tantrums and crying because it was kind of like, well, can I negotiate myself out of this? And let me tell you, my kid has some amazing negotiation skills. So it was almost like I would try to prevent the tantrum from happening rather than just letting it happen. And that I think is the biggest thing that I've really noticed a difference. And I feel like, especially my child going to daycare and I mean, I dropped her off today and there's 20 some kids in the class and it is loud and it is, it's just obnoxious. And this kid loves to play and loves to be social, but she needs alone time, like nobody's business. So she is that extroverted introvert to the max. Like if she does not come home and get at least an hour of playtime by herself, she will not go to bed till 11 o'clock at night. But we know this and it's, and understanding that we've kind of learned to figure out. And I think if all if we were just continuously trying to prevent the tantrum and stop the crying, we wouldn't be so aware of what 
might be going on deep down. So I think that that's how where parenting, which is one of the parenting styles that we listed that we we're going to talk about today, really impacted me. And I will link to um, a couple of Alisa Salter's books on, in the show notes. How you mentioned a little bit of the aware parenting for you, and you started earlier on. How did that impact your early early days? Um, so we had the typical witching hour of what, like between, gosh, it was like from like four to. I don't know, 10 o'clock at night, because that's when he was going to bed at that time, since he was taking like random naps throughout the day. Um, and it was just, he was like, it was kind of the same thing as, is um, your baby where she, like, he would be okay if he was held, but it's like, we had to constantly be holding him during that time. Like he didn't want to be put down. He was kind of like fussy the whole time he was being held. It was just, you know, kind of frustrated. It was like, you know, my husband would get home. And of course, it's like that typical, like, you know, man gets home from work, baby's crying kind of thing. And once we've, I had found the aware parenting, I just hadn't quite known how I felt about it. But I decided, you know, we'd give it a try. And we, we actually consulted with Eliza Parker, who does consulting for aware parenting. And we can link to her as well, because she's great. And yeah, so we did it with her because I just wanted some extra guidance through it. I don't think you necessarily need to do that, but I think sometimes it helps to just like know you're doing it right. And once we did it, oh my gosh, like the witching hour completely went away. Like he doesn't have it anymore. He didn't have it like within three or four days of doing it. And it took a lot of crying to get there. So I think like the first day he probably cried for like, we probably had like three or four, like 45 minute to an hour crying sessions. But like, I knew that going into it, like I had prepared for it. And then it's like, by the second day, we were down to like maybe two sessions. And then it was down to like, it would almost be like every night he would maybe cry for like 30, 40 minutes. Um, and this is all while we were like holding him and, you know, like lovingly, like listening to him and his stressors and everything like that. And making sure that, you know, he wasn't hungry or there was nothing else that he was crying about, of course. So, and then, yeah, after that, he was, like, pretty much good. And so we got to the point where, yeah, he would probably go cry maybe 15 to 20 minutes every night. And it was working really well. And so now we've adopted a little bit. We never fully got to the point where we took away the pacifier. Because in aware parenting, they have, like, no sleep. I forget, like, sleep aids. I forget exactly what they call them. We just couldn't get there. Um, and we actually kind of stumped Eliza a little bit because he just was not responding the way that she kind of expected to. And we had so much trouble around it that it was like, you know what? He sleeps with a pacifier. And at this point, he's so overtired that he just needs to sleep. So we've been struggling back and forth with the pacifier. We took it away last week and now he has it back again. So like, <laughs> um, but what I've discovered about him, what I love about what you were saying about that mindfulness about like who your daughter is and like getting to understand your baby and their personality and their needs that really requires the mindfulness piece. So I'm really discovering that Remy, if we go somewhere new and he's just overstimulated, he's fine in the moment. I could pass him around to like 30 different people. Like he's totally fine. But that night, oh my gosh, he is 
crying and screaming. That's why we ended up giving the pacifier back to him because he just would not stop crying. But I try to be mindful. That's where like, I'll bring in the aware parenting back in. It's like, okay, we let's let him have that cry. And even in that moment, he won't take the pacifier. He just like chucks it across the room. Like he's like, no, like I need to cry now. So luckily he's pretty adamant about it. Um, but it does get to the point where I get almost a little uncomfortable how much he's crying. And then I get worried about him not sleeping. So then we kind of try to like, soothe him we try to walk him around sit back down in the chair and if he starts crying again we do let him cry again but a lot of times he'll just like then calm down and then doesn't I don't know I like to think of it he's not choosing to cry again so then we'll kind of put him back down with a pacifier but um yeah that's how it's played in I definitely have like a combination approach of parenting just really trying to figure out what feels right in that moment what feels right now versus what's gonna serve us in the long term and just trying to keep all of that in mind Yeah, that's, that's great. And that's so true. Looking back after I read about aware parenting, um, we had gone on a vacation when my daughter was, I don't know, seven, I can't remember if it was when she was seven months old or 19 months old, which, which vacation was, I think it was around 19 months. And she was great. Like, vacation we were it was so social we were with all these people and then we get back to where we're staying and we stayed not with all those people we stayed at a little house and like we had a pack and play in our room and she just screaming like bloody murder all night long and we're like sharing this with my parents and my brother and sister-in-law and like trying to get you know trying to get her quiet so everyone else could sleep but looking back it was the stress of the day and that's all she had to get to get it out So, yeah, I think that it's really important to do some research if you're struggling, but know that you know your kid best. And really, I think what both of us are trying to get at is that there's a ton of different, there's, I mean, there's Google. So there's a ton of different information on parenting tips, tips and parenting strategies, but just being mindful and being aware and I'm using the word aware although I I don't want it to say that I'm necessarily promoting aware parenting or another but just knowing that there's so many different options you're gonna find what works best for your child and what works best for you and I'm gonna say that if you are sleep deprived then that has to be taken care of first there is no parenting strategy that I think that you're going to be able to successfully administer if you're walking around like a zombie so part of me feels like you know what yes maybe a pacifier isn't the best habit to start and there is some research on with the aware parenting that it's not the best thing for your child but if it gets you to the point where you can then be awake enough to get rid of the pacifier or be awake enough to handle when your child has a meltdown and to be okay with that that I believe is more important than following any specific parenting style to the to the T Totally. And yeah, for us with the pacifier, I just think, I mean, I think the sleep applies to him as well. And so, gosh, in the times we've given it back, it's because we've gotten to the point where it's like, you haven't slept. And it's like an overtired baby is like impossible to get to sleep. So we kind of are like, all right, we're just like this vicious cycle is happening. And um, I was talking to my mother-in-law this weekend, and she was saying that some random woman in like the bank or something told her not to take the pacifier away. If you look at the farmer's almanac, apparently there's different signs and they correlate to parts of the body and that you should not be taking the pacifier away if it is 
like at the head or the chest or the stomach. It basically needs to be at like the hips down. And it was so funny because I was like, dude, at this point, I, 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 I'll try anything. <laughs> so I looked and I was like, we took away the pacifier when it was at the head. And so the next time it's at like the legs is I think is like April 7th. I forget. I'll have to look again. And so I was like, yeah, well, why not? We'll try it then. But it was kind of funny because it did correlate. I was like, well, clearly we took it away at the wrong time. But she said that's what she did with my husband. And that, like she had tried a bunch of times and failed. And then she took it away at the right time and it worked really well. So I was like, yeah, whatever. I'll try it. Why not? <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, that's, that's a random thing. No, I think, hey, whatever works. And you mentioned, you, you put on our, our document about RIE parenting, R-I-E parenting. I have heard of it before and I know a little bit about it, but can you share a little bit more? Uh, yes. So it's really, I don't know, I, I feel like it's like mindful parenting, just pretty similar to what we've been talking about. It's really about like respecting your child as a human being and not, which I know if it sounds like wrong, but it's like not this like toy that you're carrying around, you know, it's like they're a person with their own mind and brain and like being very aware of that and really letting them explore their surroundings as they're choosing to being respectful of their playtime. So like not constantly getting in their face and being like, play with this, play with this. No, this is how you do it. This is how, you, you know, it's like letting them just like, play and be creative and discover things on their own. Um, there's a whole list of tips or not tips, like principles of it that you can, we can link to. I'll send that to you. And it, it's definitely worth reading through. And I feel like it actually goes along really well with aware parenting um, and any other method you'd want to use, because it's really about just like letting your child be like their own person and their own like personality. So I feel like a lot of us kind of have this envision of like, oh, who we want our child to be. And, and we can't dictate that. Like your, your baby comes out with their own personality. Like you're not going to change that. So just being really respectful of their needs is really the big principles. So I think with Remy, um, have you heard of like the highly sensitive trait? Yes. Yeah. So, so I, I'm an HSP and so I'm kind of starting to think that Remy is too, just based on the, his reactions to like the stressful environments and things like that. And so it's just being, starting to be respectful of that. Like when people are getting in his face in the grocery store, I'm a little more likely to kind of just like step in and be like, you know what, hold on. Like he just needs like time. He like likes to observe. Like when people are like, Hey, smile for me, baby, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, get out of his face. Like, seriously I mean I don't say it like that that's what I think but I'm like you know can you step back like he he just likes to observe he you know really understand his surroundings before he's reacting to them and same thing it's like we bring him to like the little gym which is like a little like you know play area where there's classes and it's like the first session it's like he was just like sitting there and like not moving and it's like my initial reaction was to be like come on crawl like let's go play around look at all this stuff and then I'm like, no, like he just needs to take in his surroundings. So it's like the first like two or three classes, like we pretty much just like sat in the middle. I just like let him, you know, watch and observe. And then it's like to his own time, he would start crawling around. And now when he goes there, he like crawls around all over the place because he's used to it. But it's just just being res respectful of that, like not forcing them into anything, letting them take their own time. That's perfect. And I would say too. What kind of to wrap up what we've said here, I know that we mentioned two parenting styles that Andrea and I both feel like 
part can really support our our parenting relationships, our parent aware parenting, and RAE RI parenting. But being mindful of who your child is and not comparing your child to anyone else's. So even if you have a child that is one day born one day different than than your best friends, you can't you can't compare the two. You need to let your child do things in their own time and be who they are. I think that we are so caught up in this perfect social media world that we're sometimes afraid to just do what our gut says and to just parent our kids the way that they need to be parented. Um, I'm going to link to a post that I am, well, will have up by the time this episode airs that's basically coffee and wine. Your kids should not be an excuse for coffee and wine. Feel free to drink coffee and wine if you want to, but your kids should not be an excuse for it. So I find it really amazing when people are okay posting that, hey, I need a glass of wine today, but they're not as okay posting, hey, you know what? Can someone come help me? I need I need a nap. I need a second set of hands. I need something or just, hey, look what we learned today. It's, it's really, I feel like we're sometimes afraid to parent our kids. We're afraid to try different things, to, to discipline them, to set boundaries, but to let them explore on their own even. So it's this really back and forth of really having no idea what we should be doing. And I think a lot of it has to do with because our lives are so public these days with social media, even though we're only sharing what we choose to or we're watching what other people choose to share. Do you have anything else to add? I know baby Remy came to say hi while we're wrapping up. <laughs> he did. Um, yeah, you know, the, I wanted to mention something when you are talking about the sleep deprived and what you're just talking about right now reminded me of that. Um, I personally have found that when I can take the time to be mindful, even though it feels like this extra effort in the moment, like it makes being sleep deprived a lot easier. I am so with you on like do whatever it takes to get sleep. Like sleep is absolutely a priority, but like sometimes that's really hard. Like we don't have family here, like taking an extra nap, even though that's what I need is it doesn't happen for me. Like it's, I probably need to be better about asking for help, but like we just don't have a great support network here. And so when I can be mindful, it's like when I wake up and I'm like in this like total fog and I'm like exhausted and he's like up a lot earlier than I wanted him to be. And it's like, I'm just trying to change his diaper and it's like that frustrating time. And I'm just like, oh God, you know, and like it's like, feels like a bad morning. When I can take that pause and take that breath and just like take that moment to like, look at my adorable little baby. Beth can see him right now. Um, but, and just like, be like, oh my gosh, like, look at this like amazing little human being that I am bringing into this world. Like it just makes everything so much better. And even in the times where they're being really annoying and frustrated and he's like throwing crap all over the place, you know, it's just like being able to like take that moment and be like, oh my God, he's just like learning how gravity works. Like how cool is that? It just, I don't know. I feel like it takes a little bit of that sleep deprivation away. And definitely, I love your point about, I'm excited to read your blog about the like coffee and and wine thing, because I agree. I feel like if you're having to like, on a daily basis, need wine to like, 
recover from your kids and your family and your day, like that's, that's something that you want to evaluate. I'm not judging it, but it's like, take the, the moment to evaluate. Why do you really need that? Um, and I drink coffee on a daily basis. So I'm not saying like, I don't do those things, but, but it's like, just taking the moment to evaluate your reason why. So it's like my reason why is that I don't get enough sleep and I know I don't get enough sleep and you know what, I'm just doing the best I can right now. And that's cool with that. But if you're, I don't know, looking at everything from this frustrated point of view, needing to like almost get away, needing this escape from your life, then I would just, I don't know, take some time to be mindful about what that really means. That's all. That's perfect. And that's a wrap. We are going to switch gears next week a little bit, and we're going to talk about how digestion is supposed to work. Follow us on social media for news, updates, and calls for questions. You can find me, Beth, at Beats of Real Eats, and Andrea at Life Liberty Health on Instagram and Facebook. Please subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss an episode and write us a review. Show notes for this episode and all podcast-related information can be found at realmomsreallife.com. Because that's an appropriate toy, right? A stapler? Dude, yeah, I mean... (laughs) No judgment. Yeah, not at all. (laughs)